Fans of our on-demand show, we now have a brand new daily podcast. We're calling it Armstrong and Getty, One More Thing. Yeah, it's where we just talk about something else that didn't fit into the show. And sometimes we use naughty language. Yes! Not often, though, because it's naughty. Finally! Find it right now via the iHeart app. Just search for Armstrong and Getty, One More Thing. My chance to work blue. Is standing right outside the House chambers. That's how close to the action we are. Reports have it that, yes, indeed, Mike DeBonis of the Washington Post, congressional reporter covering the House, is indeed uh, there at the House right now to talk about the shutdown and the hopes, faint though they may be, of ending it soon. Mike, welcome. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me. We're great. You know, we're. I hate to start with an editorial, but uh, we're just so frustrated with how dumb this whole thing is and how it seems clear that <laughs> there are compromises aplenty if people would get together and talk. Do, do we feel like there's momentum toward a solution? Um, so there is, a, there is a sense that, yes, today the, the Senate's finally going to take some votes on something, which hasn't happened for almost five weeks. Um. Democrats over here in the House are putting together a border security proposal. It's not going to have the wall. It's not going to have what the president wants, but it's going to be a proposal on paper that has a lot of money on border security. Uh, Those two things, there is some hope, will hopefully knock something loose and get people talking about something that might end in a you know, in, in, in a compromise that can reopen the government. I, I, I can't tell you it's going to happen in the next 24 hours. I can tell you it's going to happen in the next 48 hours. But maybe we're on a glide path that something could break loose to happen early next week. Maybe, you know, that's optimistic at this point. But, you know, I, I think that that's kind of the feeling in the air right now. We talked to a pundit who said there needs to be an animating event. Is there any animating event that's making this happen, or are people just kind of tired of it? Yeah, I I just talked to a Republican member of Congress who was about to leave uh, Capitol Hill for the airport. He said the one animating uh, event that he could think of would be to have the TSA officers at uh, Reagan National Airport, Baltimore, Washington uh, Airport, and Dulles Airport all uh, walk off the job, and then uh, I think when no member of Congress could get home, I think that would enforce a... Something pretty quick. Uh, yeah. He was joking, but there is there is actually a more general sense that if there's any serious disruption in the air traffic uh, in the airline uh, industry, that that would that would create a real yeah. impetus to and make something happen fast. Yeah, and well said. So, uh, not to be quibblesome, but you know the term "the wall." The president hasn't been looking for the wall of campaign fame for. Many weeks now. He's talking about barriers and fences and slats or whatever. Yeah. Um, does the Democrat uh, Democratic proposal include physical barriers at all? Uh, we're going to see them most likely tomorrow. Oh, okay. uh, what we've been told so far is that, no, it's not going to have what the president wants, which is new construction along new sections of border. Right. Uh, Democrats have been talking about fixing up broken sections there has been a so we're stuck on fence repair versus extension 
Back to my yeah. original thesis. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. And I will say that there is starting to be some chatter, and it's not popping up in official channels, but there are members talking about a potential way out that would look like this. Um, many years ago, when, when Congress uh, decided it needed to cut the military budget and save some money, it needed to close military bases, they realized that that was a political non-starter. They never get support from any member who is going to have a military base closed in their district. So they created this commission that would take an independent look and see where you needed to actually close the bases. So they created that commission. The thinking is, why not do something similar on the wall? Get some sort of independent group that, you know, some experts, leaders of, um, you know, perhaps governors of border states, um, perhaps uh, people, you know, the leaders of the relevant agencies, and do something independent where there can be a a a, a third party look at where where barriers are needed, where new barriers can go, and that may create enough space for a compromise that Democrats might be able to get behind. Now, well, keep of, in mind, this is not coming through official channels, mm-hmm. but it's something that people are starting to talk about. Got a bit so of a whiff of, of oh, de cowardice, but, uh, you know, if it works, sure. it works. Well, and, you know, but exactly. politics is what it is, and actually your base example is, is a really good one. I'd love to see something like that. Mike DeBonis of The Post is online. So we're done arguing about the State of the Union address. It'll happen when the government opens back up again? According to the president, he is uh, that, that he says he's uh, going to uh, uh, you know take the speaker's message, and, and he is not going to show up here until uh, you know he is invited officially, which means that you know Congress has to, to actually pass a resolution to to have the State of the Union in front of a joint session. Did you see that Congress. super blood wolf moon earlier this week? That was something. What? I did not, but uh, I, I saw some pictures. But yeah, <laughs> that's me officially tired of this topic. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and on it drags. Hey, Mike, I've got a question just about your job because it's a really interesting one. When you hear those rumblings, when you hear more and more Congress guys kind of talking about a plan, like the the commission thing you described, is that usually pretty reliable? Well, it, you know. It's it's reliable that they're talking about it. It's, you know what you need to sort of know is when when stuff like that turns how this stuff like that turns into reality. And you know that that's a that's a very complicated thing. And, mm-hmm. and you know people with lots of experience up here don't probably couldn't even tell you uh, how, how how things like that turn into reality. But you know that that that's what we spend our days doing is, is figuring out what people are talking about. Who's Who's for it? Who's against it? Does it have any momentum? Is it, you know, things like that. And, and you know, that, that, that's a big part of what this job is. We spend a lot of time in hallways waiting for members of Congress and aides, and we, we stand outside doors that are closed when there's meetings happening, and we try to figure out what's going on inside. And, you know, that, that, that's what we do up here, and we have uh, incredible access, you know, to these lawmakers and to the leaders you know, I just just not even ten minutes ago we were uh, uh, having a little uh, press gaggle with Leader McCarthy and, and Steve Scalise and Liz Cheney, the, the the House Republican leaders, and they they stood there for ten minutes and took our questions. Um, and you know, listen, not every part of the government is like that. You can't just walk up to the 
your cabinet secretary, you can't walk up to an agency director necessarily. And just or a Supreme Court justice. Answer like that. Um, or a Supreme Court justice. Yeah. And, and look at other parts of the world. You know, absolutely, you know, other governments are not. You, you oh, oh yeah. 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 No, that's so awesome. We, so, you know, we're incredibly lucky to have that access, and we use it to try and figure out what's going on, what people are saying, and how they're responding to the realities of the moment. Sure. So what percentage of that, being able to talk to these people on a daily basis about all these different things, what percentage of it is like thrilling and exciting, and what percentage of it is depressing, and you think, how does this possibly work? <laughs> it changes from moment to moment. I mean, it, yeah. it, it kind of... I mean, I don't think there's anyone, I don't know of any reporters up here who is excited to cover a 35-day government shutdown. I think right. that, you know, no one sees this as being how this place should be working. Uh, and uh, I, I, I think there is, you know, we were supposed to have a recess week last week. I think there were a number of, you know, aides and reporters and lawmakers who were, all had made plans for this time and, and for this week, and they had to abandon them. You know, I, I was trying to take my daughter to see her grandparents, and we had to cut that trip short. And you know, this isn't fun, um, but you know, this is this is our government. And, you know, we're lucky to have these these roles that uh, you know, getting getting there to cover this, and, and yeah. we're well, you know we're mindful of that. Uh, but yeah, everyone's looking forward to this coming to an end. Well, way to hang on to your uh, your optimism and positive spirit there, Mike DeBonis of the yeah. Washington Post covers the House of Representatives. Mike enjoyed the chat very much. someday I'd like to uh, feed you one drink too many and ask you some really pointy <laughs> questions about various Congress <laughs> people. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I'll be in D.C. soon. All right, thanks, Mike. Very okay. much appreciate it. Mike DeBonis of the Post. We've got some breaking news. So yesterday, no, 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 no. there's too much news these days. So yesterday, Cohen un- uninvites himself to speak in front of a House committee that he was volunteering to do. It's just like, would you talk to us? And he said, sure. And he said, no, I'm not coming. Right. This is different. The Senate Intelligence Committee just subpoenaed Michael Cohen to be before the panel, and that's a Republican-led committee. And they subpoenaed him. He has to show up. Okay. This just for the fun of it. <laughs> so he's agreed. So what's going on there? Huh. I don't know. We'll talk about that, among other things, coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Recently, a man was in the locker room after working out at a 24-hour fitness when the gym closed and he suddenly found himself locked inside. Yeah, so at best, (laughs) at best they were a 23-hour fitness. (laughs) On the plus side, having a panic attack when you're locked in a gym is great cardio. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta get exercise into my routine. It's just, you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Believe me, I know. <clears throat> I get some because just the nature of having young children. I'm on the trampoline now and then. I ride bikes now and then. I'm not sedentary. Yeah, well, that's good. That's a start. But it's certainly not regular. Get your heart rate in this area three times per week, blah, blah, blah. Well, on a different topic, I have 
incredibly important and exciting breaking news. Not donkey worthy, Michael, but my uh, buddy just texted me and I just texted my son. It was a tweet from Jeff Bridges' own account that is clearly a teaser trailer for a Big Lebowski sequel. I'm sorry, what? Yes, yes, and I know. I'm going to be unavailable for the remainder of the show. <laughs> either I you, you said just this wasn't shri- donkey worthy. Yeah, e- e- either you news. just shrieked at your radio, what? Or you're like, I don't get that movie. And yeah. I can respect that. Sure. I totally respect that. We on, just don't respect you. On, on the other hand, for those of us who are, well, of the faith, <laughs> this is enormous news. Oh, Two yeah. three nineteen, it says. Yeah, but what? What? I've yeah. already put in for that day off of well, work. Well, it can't be. <laughs> the, the movie can't be out February third. No, because you'd be, have known about it. Yeah, you'd have heard about it. Yeah, I hope it's not ridiculous. Yeah, dumb. it's tough. That'd be a tough Don't one to do. Don't tease me, Jeff. That'd be a tough one to do and and not let people down. But um, and oh, if we're let down by a movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, how would we carry on? So two quick things. We got this text about. Those chalk hearts that have the little message on them went out of business. Yes. So they're not going to be around for Valentine's Day this year? In spite of $1.8 billion in sales? Yeah. Uh, somebody texted, good riddance to those lecturing chalk hearts. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed. Mind your own business. And now this. I'm not going to reveal the name because he actually works. He draws a paycheck related to the NFL. Okay. And I don't want him to get in any trouble for telling me this. So if you're a fan of football at all and you watch any of the games, you're aware of the story that both teams going to the Super Bowl would not, one of them definitely not, and certainly the other one 90% not, would be going to the Super Bowl if the refs had made the correct call at the very end of the game. Right. I mean, two really giant blown calls. And one I screwed up. I've been describing it incorrectly, and I apologize. It was a mix of penalties and interceptions and stuff like that. So if you called me on it, you're right. But anyway, your point remains valid. And uh, so I brought it up to this guy, and uh, since he's involved in the NFL, I said, guys, they got to really be worried about this, what they're going to do. And he said, the problem was there was no time to make up the call. And uh, I said, well, how so? He said, the, the, the bad calls happen all the time, but the refs make them up on the field. This one they didn't have a chance to make up. Uh-huh. And and I said, they do that all the time? He said, yeah. That's why the, the especially the big stars are on the refs that much. If you're a big star, if you're Tom Brady, you, you say to him, hey, you blew that call, and they'll, and they'll make it up. And yeah. you'll see on the field, like the next player, two plays down, he'll throw the ball that direction, way over the guy's head. They call pass interference, and you move on down the field. Right. They make it up. Right. They go back, they look, somebody gets in the ear and says, yeah, you guys got that wrong, and they make it up. Well, and, and Brady knows it, or whoever, and you just throw the ball that direction. And you move the ball down. Sure. You see that in the NBA all the time. And it's listen, super easy I, in the NBA because you can call a foul or not call a foul every 10 seconds. I only umpired up to 18-year-old baseball players, but that was pretty good baseball. And I'll just tell you, calling balls and strikes is hard. And I do it all the time. That ball could have been a ball or a strike. Strike. Another see, one comes down the pike, I'll call it a ball. So you average it. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's not, you know, obviously there are 100 and some pitches every game. It's not like a football game or, you know. Each play is individually more important, but sure, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Exactly, I'll bet most Especially people don't know it's that it's uncallable. The whole pass interference thing; these guys are running down the field, pawing at each other and elbowing at each other, and the ball's in the air, and they're still pawing and elbowing. And then sometimes they throw the flag, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's on that dude, sometimes it's on the other dude. Right, and and you just kind of just you know, I don't know, I didn't see it, but I know. now in the Saints thing, 
the guy was wiped out. He practically, you know, was killed by a guy smashing into his helmet before the ball got there. It was so obvious. You know, the only people, there were only two people in the entire stadium who missed that call. That was the guys who were tasked to do it. But what are you going to do? So they just didn't have time to make a completely indefensible boneheaded call going the other way. To, eat, quote, even it out. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's, yeah. Well, much to your horror, I'm sure. The consensus, Two wrongs don't make a right, zebras. Thank you. Um, it's absolutely indisputable. The, the the result of all this is going to be more things are reviewable oh, next obviously. year. So more the game grinds even slower, which is fine if that's what you like. I don't have to watch. Not yeah, it's a TV show. If you like it, watch it. If you don't, don't. It's like The Big Lebowski, which may or may not have a sequel coming out. <laughs> Um, I'm going to be so devastated if that turns out to not be true. But what the else point would that is be? excellent because it was. It's like in what was it? The third of February yeah. or in a couple of weeks? It's not going to be a sequel. I'd heard about it already. Or would you? <laughs> no, no way. They keep that quiet. With all or maybe they're stuff. announcing the very beginning of. Hey, we've signed a contract. We're going to shoot it. That yeah. announcement could be coming. Be pretty huge. Is everybody still alive? Well, not uh, Donnie. Spoiler alert: the actual, a- <laughs> the actors or the characters. I the think characters. Everybody who matters is alive. Yeah, it's right. funny because Donnie died in the movie. John Goodman died on Roseanne, but then came back to right. life, and then Roseanne died. Which, right, yeah. So I had to wait Just a minute. A real roller coaster but for that both, family. Right. But they're both real alive in real life. Right. John Turturro remains the Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I won't go any further. <laughs> Steve Buscemi's alive. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. That's good. Um, so we're going to get a, a Sopranos sequel and a Big yeah. Lebowski sequel. A perhaps. prequel. Sopranos prequel. Lebowski sequel. That's what it looks like. Okay, cool. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Senate is now subpoenaed Trump's former fixer, Michael Cohen. You must come in and testify. This is kind of surprising. Yep. That's not, the, the Republicans control yep. that committee. Mm-hmm. Are okay. you are you a victim of financial infidelity and Elon Musk's rocket blows over? Coming up. <laughs> I'm guessing you don't want your rocket to blow over. Probably should have tied it to something or something. <laughs> You're supposed to tie down the rocket, dude. You're you listening were. to the Armstrong and Buddy <laughs> Show. Why would I mention that it's Neil Diamond's birthday today? Well, there's only one reason. Um, he's 78, by the way. Happy birthday, Neil. Yep. He, I believe, currently holds the record for the most expensive divorce in world history. Is that right? Yeah, I know at the time when he got divorced it was. Mm. And it might still be the record, soon to be surpassed, of course, by... Mr. Bezos. Yes, right. the richest man in the world. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Well, let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, we got a Senate panel now issuing a subpoena for President Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, to testify about his relationship with the president. The Intelligence Committee wants to hear from Cohen in mid-February. Now, Cohen just backed out of a scheduled appearance before the House Oversight Committee on February 7th, citing ongoing threats against his family by President Trump and Trump's attorney, Rudy Giuliani. Who runs the Senate Intelligence Committee? That would be. The chair is a guy named Richard Burr, Republican out of North Carolina. Okay. Any relation to the... uh... Aaron, Aaron Burr, the Aaron Burr grandson. 
Oh, all right. 190 years old. Keep an eye on that guy. <laughs> I, just, right. I just find this kind of interesting. That it would seem to me that they were working together, these committees, that somehow, or somebody's talking to somebody, or it's a heck of a coincidence. Because when Cohen yesterday announced he's not going to show up, right. as he had volunteered to do, Elijah Cummings came out and said, well, we are going to compel him to testify at some point, somehow. And then within, the 20, within 24 hours, the Senate, with the Republicans in charge, do subpoena him to ask him, I assume, the same thing. To get him first. I don't, well, I don't, well, know. I don't know how that works. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's something wacky going on. Yeah, Lanny Davis, one of Cohen's lawyers, confirmed that they'd received a subpoena, but the committee had not set a date for him to testify, just saying it wanted him to do so in February. The president made references to Cohen's other clients and his father-in-law, who's pretty closely tied to various uh, Ukrainian oligarchs and, and perhaps uh, some money that, that, that Vlad Putin has something to say right. about. Um, so yeah, that's, oh, that's right, because yeah. he, he married a super rich woman, Cohen right. did, and then they bought a whole bunch of properties in Trump's place, which is how he ended up meeting Trump, Ah, Cohen. Yeah. So, but, okay, I've got to admit, if if the president is saying, you'd better tell the truth, or I'll, that's one thing. If he's saying, you better shut your mouth, or I'll, I'm telling you, that, that, that is not a non-story. The president tweeting about Cohen and what he might say. That's, I tell you what, if nothing else, that's going to feed the rumor mill at MSNBC yep. for the next six months. President Trump postponing his State of the Union until the partial government shutdown ends, yielding after a week-long showdown with the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Earlier in the day yesterday, Trump was uh, saying, Nancy Pelosi, or Nancy as I call her, she doesn't want to hear... The truth, and she doesn't want to hear, more importantly, the American people hear the truth. So uh, we just found out that she's canceled it, and I think that's a great blotch on the incredible country that we all love. It's a great, great, horrible mark. I don't believe it's ever happened before, and it's always good to be part of history, but this is a very negative part of history. House Speaker Pelosi says she's glad, though, the State of the Union controversy is off the table, telling reporters this morning at the Capitol. I'm glad we have that off the table because it was about the least important thing we have to talk about. What we have to talk about is opening up government uh, to recognize the pain uh, and unfairness of this shutdown. Okay, to right, especially with all the security concerns and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care if we never have the State of the Union address, right. but I would like to, in a parallel universe, have all the facts be exactly the same, except for Boehner's Speaker of the House and Obama's President. Shut down all the services, everything right. the same way, mm-hmm. and see how the everybody reacts to it, the media reacts to it. Right. And instead of, uh, you know, a border fence or whatever, it was some aspect of Obamacare. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Similar deal. Um, and if if the media would be saying, oh, yeah, it doesn't make sense to have the State of the Union address, and it's not at all odd to deny or the president. Or to say, no, you can't come right. and give it. Right. In the Northwest, Washington state health officials are begging people to make sure they're up to date on their measles vaccinations amid a spreading outbreak in the state. It started in southwestern Washington and now may be spreading into King County and Seattle. The officials say nearly all of the cases involve children who have not been vaccinated. Mm. 
And we got an estimated almost 30 million Americans who are hiding a checking, savings, or credit card account from their spouse or live-in partner. According to a new credit wow, card... Wow, I thought this was going to be the old story about um, buying things without running right. by your husband or wife. This is that you actually have a credit card or an account. Right. You're into... Aren't you into full... You're, you, you've, aren't you gone to a way different level? From buying something without running and buying when you got a yeah. secret checking account or credit card? Yeah, I've heard wow. women say it's something a woman should do just in case. Just you in know, case what? That sounds like a sexist statement. If you're like As a stay-at-home to... mom, for instance, oh, okay. or you work about... less and spend more time with the kids. What about all the guys out there? yourself financially. And the guys shouldn't? I'm not advocating it. I'm just saying I've heard that argument. It doesn't sound like a good idea to me. Nope. Sometimes I'll leave like a 20 in a pair of jeans that I haven't worn in a couple of weeks. I'll put them on. I'll find it. Is that like this? I don't, I'm a single guy. <laughs> I don't really have parallels for this. Yeah, according to a new creditcards.com report, that uh, 30 million people, nearly one out of five, admitting they have been financially unfaithful. And SpaceX's Starship Starhopper prototype is in for several weeks of repair after heavy winds blew it over early Wednesday morning. Winds up to 46 miles an hour whipped through the Rio Grande Canyon Valley around 5 a.m., toppling the rocket and damaging its nose cone. SpaceX the nose cone. Right. SpaceX CEO Elon Musk tweeted the news, the sad news. Contrary to some reports, this was not Musk's the big Falcon rocket. Okay. This was the Starhopper. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. Yeah, I'm starting Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. So that measles outbreak yes. among children that have not been vaccinated reminds me of that story. Uh, I don't remember what was going on at the time, but, but some researchers said that children have not been vaccinated. Like 80% of them are within five miles of a Whole Foods. It's a certain sort of wow. area. Really? Wow. Yeah. It's a certain sort of mindset with the whole vaccination thing. Huh. It's, just, it's, a, it's a political view. Most mm, socio-political. Yeah, yeah socio-political. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Mentioned there might be a Big Lebowski sequel, another movie story. Not that we do movie stuff much on the Armstrong and Getty Show, but this one got my attention. Made me excited. Hit that very quickly. Fans of George Orwell. Stay with us. Okay. If you're not a fan of George Orwell, never listen again. You should reread Go Away. We don't like you. You should reread the quote of the day. I would like to do that. Our freedom-loving quote of the day might be my favorite of all time. It made an impact on people. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. And spring became... Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Good point, Mike. We could have played Neil Diamond music all day long on his birthday if we'd wanted to. Kind of wish we had. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Neil Diamond song? I'd have to think about it. You turn on your heart light. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's not that one. Yeah. Neil Diamond, 78. Yikes. So we were talking uh, just a couple minutes ago about Jeff Bridges, the actor, sent out to what sort of appears to be a tease of a Big Lebowski sequel. Who knows what it is? I, I I don't think he would break the hearts 
of Lebowski fans. That would be an amazingly non-dude thing to do. <laughs> it would be very undude. And Jeff Bridges is clearly the dude. They just rewrote Jeff Bridges and put him in a sweater for the big Lebowski. An interesting point I saw made on Twitter that the dude plus legal marijuana is a match made in heaven. There you go. Yeah. So anyway, um, also from the world of movies, I think if you're into movies at all, you know who Andy Serkis is. He is the the lithe little fella who he's he's the model for Gollum in the Lord of the Rings. He was Caesar the ape in the uh, the Planet of the Apes movies. Um, if, I, I if, believe King Kong in the most recent King Kong right. thing too. Yeah, he is the guy. He's you know uh, he's an actor. He's he's a gymnast apparently. Whatever. But he they cover him with uh, electrodes or you know whatever whatever the proper term is. Um, but he does the movements of say Gollum crawling along the you know the river looking for salmon or for his precious and um, so motion capture technology. Ex- yeah, thank yeah. you. And then they use the CGI to make the freaky part animal or animal or whatever using his motions. Um, And it's notable that, you know, in all the world, he's still getting the work because he's that good at it. But at any rate, um, he has just started his own uh, studio, his own production studio, and he's going to do an adaptation of the Jungle Book called Mowgli for Netflix which, according to uh, Jeff, loyal listener Jeff, looks pretty amazing. And then... That's uh, that's out. You can watch that now. Oh, is that out now? I believe so, yeah. Oh, that's funny. You know, yeah, okay, yeah. great. Super. Uh, and in a behind-the-scenes for the new show, Circus said uh, his next project would be Animal Farm. Ooh. Yes. Doing mm. a really good version of Animal Farm. Well, easier said than done. <clears throat> That'd be hard. Oh, yeah. But he's the best in the world. Mm. Um, but Jeff points out, because Jeff can't let a happy moment go unsullied, Jeff gets a little cynical on us and says, this could get interesting. Circus is pretty well loved in Hollywood. I won't tell them this is one of the most powerful tales about the pitfalls and horrors of socialism if you don't. So now, Animal Farm, you think it's a story about animals, <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> Thank you for that. What do you mean? <laughs> Clearly about animals. That's awesome. So we mentioned our freedom-loving quote of the day earlier today. Uh, I, I said at the time it might be my favorite one of all time. It's certainly, you know, it's, it's always silly. It's like picking your favorite Neil Diamond song. To me, you have your top tier. What's your favorite album of all time? I don't know. There are ten of them. But they're in that top tier, the Hall of Fame. And this is in my Hall of Fame freedom-loving quotes of the day from the uh, great uh, legislator and American thinker and lover of liberty, Daniel Webster. <clears throat> Webster, the little black kid? No, different fella. Considerably uh, longer ago. And sometimes you see just the second half of this, but I like the whole thing. Good intentions will always be pleaded for every assumption of authority. It is hardly too strong to say that the Constitution was made to guard the people against the dangers of good intentions. There are men in all ages who mean to govern well, but they mean to govern. They promise to be good masters, but they mean to be masters. That's so good. Dan Webster, everybody. Who's with me? Most people don't care. See, that's the problem. Most people now don't care. The first the first sentence of that is kind of phrased in an old-timey English way. So it's good intentions will be pleaded by those who are seeking. So the, the people who seek that power right. will like, offer good intentions in exchange. For Always. Okay. Yeah. Always. I'm, Nobody says... 
If you elect me, I will steal from you and take away your rights. Is that why I lost every election? Right. Right. I'm going to make the world a better place. And to do that, I have to force you to do something or take some of your money. I need the power or or better to take their money because they're bad people or they have too much of it. But it's always cloaked in good intentions. But make no mistake, they mean to be your masters. Uh, and I think that's great. And you know, most you may... people don't care that the government tells them what to do. And they don't. It's really disappointing to me. Nobody's more disappointed than I am, but they just don't care. That's the brilliance of the Constitution, and that is the poison, the danger of those like Beto O'Rourke, who says, "Come on, the Constitution's old." It's got to be a quote-unquote living document. I became aware of that euphemism in college. Um, uh, so taught by my favorite brilliant professor, Ira H. Carmen, um, who pointed out that phrase means we get to change it when we want. And the brilliance of the Constitution is that you don't get to give away your liberty. You don't get to give the government more power than it should have. Although, you know, those who would, uh, you know, exercise too much power have gotten really, really good at getting around the Constitution. But that's the that's the point. You can't vote yourself dictatorship, or you can't vote yourself oppression. The even the majority can't oppress the minority, uh, according to the Constitution. Took us a long time to get that right, um, but that's the brilliance of the document. So so de- treat people who ask for a living constitution like you treat people who out of nowhere knock on your door at night and want you to open it. I've noticed a trend on the text line. Is it emoji based? I could I could decipher that. Almost anything we say about Kamala Harris gets a tremendous amount of text uh text replies. Mm. Mm. She might be a harder pro. I mean, you know, she's considered the front runner by people who consider those sorts of things. But uh, almost any story we bring up, we get a ton of texts. I'm, I'm guessing she- from California, particularly yeah. the Bay Area, where yeah. she was a, a big wheel politically for many years. Sure. And a, a controversial character in a lot of ways. But still, it's surprising to me. Boy, she earned the animus, animus, animus of um, many coppers when she did not pursue the death penalty for a stone-cold cop murderer I thought, a number of years ago. I thought liberals were trying to paint her the other direction as she was too pro-cop and, uh, and uh, tough on crime. Yeah, see, that's the funny thing. The progressive types are going to look at everybody she threw in jail and scream, patriarchy. You know, that she was part of it. And I heard the point made that since uh, attorney general or prosecutor are elected positions... Prosecutors do sometimes err to the side of being hardcore and getting longer sentences and more stern punishments and that sort of thing. And if you're running as a progressive, that can be dangerous ground. There you go. And it comes and it goes, doesn't it? Is that Neil Diamond? (laughs) Here's your host. For final thoughts, Joe Getty. Yeah, let's get a final thought from everybody on the uh, crew. It's Marshall Phillips, our esteemed newsman. Marshall? Well, i got to head home because part of my fence blew over the other day, and I have been kind of like put using uh, boards to, you know, uh, shore it up. But now I've got to get serious about getting it fixed. You and Elon Musk. Yeah. <laughs> Build the wall. Yeah, me and Elon Musk. Right. Steel yeah. slats. Yeah. Steel yeah. slats. 
Yeah. Maybe just drones. <laughs> Michael, uh, would you like to uh, have a share a final thought? Of course. Uh, today, Marshall talked about storing peanut butter, and now it's my turn. The foolproof method to store guacamole is to simply cover it with plastic wrap. Store it in the fridge, and, you know, preparing for a party just got a whole lot easier. I don't like to cover it because I like that dead flesh color <laughs> that it gets. Oh, it's not good till it's gray. <laughs> yeah, right. Positive Sean, your final thought. Yeah, I've been doing some deep dive trying to figure out the validity of this uh, Big Lebowski 2 trailer. No mention of it, anything, anywhere on IMDb, which is normally where you can hear about stuff in pre-production or when it's in shooting. But the Coen brothers have been working with Netflix. It is not beyond the realm of possibility that they've been working on this in secret and could just drop it as a surprise Netflix film, which they have done in the past with other franchises. Okay. Hmm. Jack, a final thought for us? Flew yesterday. I was in two major American airports, and there was no sign of any TSA problems or longer lines or anything like that. But it's just the first time I've been lectured about having lint in my pocket, and I didn't see somebody get pulled over and patted down who had lint in their pocket. So it's not just take your change out and stuff like that. Now you got to make sure there's no lint in there. Hmm. I think somebody figured it out. February 3rd, which is the date that the the thing is, that's the Super Bowl. It could be a Super Bowl commercial. Oh, oh you're right. Boo. There you go. A Lebowski <laughs> Super Bowl commercial. You're absolutely Unless right. Unless it's to announce the new Netflix series. Yay! I'm back. <laughs> uh, my final thought is Nancy Pelosi, or Nancy as I call her, has told the president he can't do the State of the Union uh, speech uh, in Congress. I suggest he rents out a Holiday Inn, makes Mexico pay for it. Just get a ballroom hey, no. and do it. Come on now. Come on, everybody. Who's with me? If Jeff Bridges is hawking Pepsi-Cola as Lebowski, is that really sully his reputation? It will break my heart. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. They promise to be good masters, but they mean to be masters. We have that posted at armstrongandgetty.com. If you'd like to hang on to it and annoy your friends with it, I hope you do. You can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. See you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over. The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity. And we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye-bye. Also a popular wedding trend this year, grandma heart attacks. Armstrong and Getty.